sometimes you just need to touch grass, literally and figuratively. And we recommend you bring books. Tell the bibliologist set tailored book recommendations about what you love and what you don't and what you want to read this summer on your outdoor adventures. You can get your recommendations via email or receive hardcovers in the mail. And TBR has plans for every budget. This summer, touch grass and bring books. You pack the bags, we pick the books. Visit mytbr.co to sign up today. It only takes a few minutes. That's mytbr.co. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 409, and today we are talking about books being released on April 11th, 2023, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Jen Northington, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Jen, hello! Hello! So, lucky you, you are filling in for Vanessa this week. I am. And I am extra hyper about books today. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I love that. (laughs) Like, I just love them. I love them so much. You know that that video of the woman who's like, I just love all the cats and I want to hug them? That's how I feel today. I just want to start crying and be like, I just love all the books so much. I mean, it's a really, April 11th is a really good book week. So there's a lot to love. Yeah. Uh, You know, I was talking with someone else about this recently. I think that 2023 is an exceptional book year. So far, yeah. Like, I feel like the last few years, you know, I read some books that I love, but I mean, it's just one knockout after another this year, and and y'all don't even know what's coming yet. I mean, it's, <laughs> you're going to be blown away. And she was saying, like, 2018 was the last great book year, and I was like, oh, what was 2018? And she starts, like, rattling them off, and I was like, oh, oh my goodness, you're right. You're like, mm. Friday Black, they're there, educated, mm. bad blood. It was just like this huge, amazing year for books. And I was like, oh, yeah. So I think we're having another one of those this year. Like, I feel, I usually, like, get to the beginning of the year, and I'm like, I hate everything <laughs> that Aww. I'm reading. And then at the end of the year, I'm like, oh, my goodness, I loved so much. Yeah. But this year, I feel like I just keep picking up things and being like, I love you. Aw, that's nice. We yeah. love books. <laughs> we do. Yeah. I was a guest on a podcast last week and talking about books. Mm. And I listened to it and I was like, wow, I, I talk really fast. <laughs> and people responding in the comments were like, wow, she really likes books and she talks really fast. <laughs> That's part of your charm, Liberty. You're the Velasa reader and the Velasa talker. <laughs> like it all goes together yeah. in one package. I don't mean to be. I just, I've always been like this you're just built that way yeah <laughs> and i gave up the caffeine you know yeah, again well. several weeks ago so i have no excuse it's just natural yeah yeah so i'm very sorry most people speed up their podcasts everyone else probably has to like, <laughs> lo- like stop this one like slow it down what's that word i want slow slow yeah so anyway that was all a long way of saying hi jen welcome to the show <laughs> <laughs> it's good to be back so this is episode 409, which means that its corresponding area code is Beaumont and Galveston areas of Texas. So hello to all the people there. I don't know if you've been listening, Jen, but I've been like rattling off the corresponding area code to the I love that. episode numbers lately. And it's amazing. So many people have now reached out and been like, I can't wait for my area code. Aww. I can't wait for my area code. 
Um, it's really fun. So hello to the people in Texas and everyone else. I'm trying to remember if 410 is a Pennsylvania area code. It might be. We'll see. <gasps> We're going to find out next week. Find out next week. Stay tuned. The thing that's really weird is that when I started doing it, it was an area code right next to where Tirza lives. <laughs> that's random. Yeah. Yeah. Very random. Because I kept, I kept saying I was going to do it. And then when I finally did it, it actually was like right near where she was. That's funny. Weird. So you have something exciting to tell us? I do. I do. So for our newsletter, well, I mean, whether or not you are already a newsletter person, we have a new one and it is called The Deep Dive. And it is quite literally deep dives into all kinds of bookish, readingish stuff. So like we have a lot of smart people in-house, obviously. And sometimes they want to like really dig into a topic and we haven't necessarily always had a good place for those. So now we have the deep dive, which you can sign up for on Substack. And for five bucks a month, you get the deep dive edition twice a month. And if you like want to check out like the vibes first, there's a free level that gets you the splash pad, which like cracks me up every time I say it. And that's got like our recommendations for books and other bookish things every month. So you can check that out. Out, bookriot.substack.com. Awesome. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. And now we're going to hear from our first sponsor. Sometimes you just need to touch grass, literally and figuratively. And we recommend you bring books. Tell the bibliologists that tailored book recommendations about what you love and what you don't and what you want to read this summer on your outdoor adventures. You can get your recommendations via email or receive hardcovers in the mail. And TBR has plans for every budget. This summer, touch grass and bring books. You pack the bags, we pick the books. Visit mytbr.co to sign up today. It only takes a few minutes. That's mytbr.co. Okay, so I'm going to kick it off today with all my bookish enthusiasm and happiness by talking about a super sad book. <laughs> 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 oh, it's called The Dead Are Gods by Irony Carson. I looked up how to pronounce the author's first name. I'm so sorry if I'm saying it wrong. The majority of the things I found said irony, but they also said irony. So I'm going to say irony. Okay. For that. I tried I tried to find out. I'm very sorry if I'm saying it wrong. So like I said, this is very sad. It's a very sad book. It's a memoir about grief and loss, so there is a lot of discussion of that. I just want to tell you that up front. Carson lost one of her best friends, Larissa, a few years ago. And this is her story, not just about their friendship, but about losing someone and grief and how it affects us in all these different ways. Carson was home with her husband and her toddler when she got the call that Larissa has died. Uh, She drowned in her bathtub. Uh, She lived in France, where she had been living for a while. Um, Carson hadn't seen her recently, but they were very close. The text of this memoir is peppered with little email exchanges that they have about, you know, how much they love each other and how they take care of each other. and, And it's just beautiful. And she was, her life was upended. You know, she was devastated. You know, they had been very close. Uh, They had been roommates in London. Larissa had been there when Carson met her husband. They had worked as models. Um, And Larissa loved France. It wasn't really for Carson, but Larissa loved France and wanted to live there. And so she was, you know, living in Paris. And like I said, they exchanged all these emails and texts and voice messages. 
And Carson explains how she navigated the next days and weeks after Larissa's death. Some of which she doesn't remember. Like, she doesn't even know, like, how she got through it. She kind of knows, like, her husband helped her. She kind of knows other people helped her. She goes to France for the funeral. And she talks about grief and loss, but also, like, about how you can never really know anyone completely. She uncovers some things that she wasn't aware of about her friend. It's a dissection of grief in stages, which is still something that is a hard subject for people. Um, She looks at how we continue to insist, like, grief, like, not everybody, but, like, as a whole, insists that grief is something that you get over. Mm. It's something that has a time limit to it. Um, And when people don't, you know, respond to that time limit, like, people get frustrated and, and... It's very sad, but it is also a very lovely story of friendship. Um, and you know, she talks about how in 2020, 3.5 million people died in the U.S. And we don't sit down and like think about the ripple effect that that has. You know, mm-hmm. not just on immediate family or the people who love them, but like you know, suddenly there's an employee missing, or you know, a customer missing, or the mm-hmm. person who used to do something. You know, like it's that's a lot of people, and there's nobody in that year that wasn't affected by one of those deaths in some way. Mm-hmm. And we just, we just you know, still continue to kind of not want to talk about death and dying. Like I said, it's very sad, but it's beautifully written. You can identify with her anguish and her heartbreak if you've ever lost someone you love. I have reached this point at my age where people I know are dying, more often the parents of people that I yeah. know. And this happens to everyone. But this is new territory for me because I've never been this age before. Mm. You know, this is like a new reality for me. And so I really like felt like I was identifying with this book. It's also very cathartic if you mm-hmm. need a good cry, you know, just like need a good cry. This will do it for you. Um, I do want to give content warnings for substance abuse and loss of a loved one, trauma and grief. This is called The Dead Are Gods and it's by Irony Carson. Well, I will put that on my list because I definitely am still trying to figure out how to deal with some of that stuff myself. Yeah. That's good. Good recommendation. Thank you. So I am mixing things up a little bit. My first book, I'm actually not done with it yet, but I do not care. (laughs) And I think I wanted to talk about it first. It is The Secret Diaries of Charles Ignatius Sancho by Patterson Joseph. This book, y'all, I am going so slow with it because I am like rolling around in the prose. This is a fascinating book. It is about Charles Ignatius Sancho was apparently a real person. There was like a Google doodle about him I discovered. I did not know that. Well, that means it's official. Right. It's like he had a Google doodle. You made it. (laughs) And he was a black British man in London who lived in like the late 1700s, early 1800s, and who like became a composer. He was the first black person to vote in Britain. Like an amazing story that I knew nothing. I did not even know this person existed before I picked up this book. Like I didn't see the Google Doodle. I found this all out afterwards. But what's amazing about this book, on top of telling this story of this person who we should all know about and we don't, is that it's a novel that was inspired by Patterson Joseph's love of like Jane Eyre and Charles, you know, Dickens's works and like that kind of 
1700s, 1800s prose. So the whole thing is written in that prose style, which I am just like, put it in my eyeballs. Like, I also share a love of that era's prose. I know some people do not love it, but like, I reread The Count of Monte Cristo like pretty much every year. And this is like, this is exactly what I want. This is exactly the kind of book that I love to take my time with because it is so rich and it's got so many layers and it just is so evocative of the time period. And Patterson Joseph, the author, talks about all of this in the intro. So, like, you get to find out, like, why he, you know, got fascinated with Sancho and and decided to write this book. He's an actor who, when I Googled him, I was like, oh, I've seen you in stuff. So he turns out to be a very talented person because I really feel like he nails the voice. Like, it's diary entries, it's letters, it's epistolary in that regard. Like, it is so well done. And I just, man. I'm just really enjoying it. This like the the way it brings to life Georgian London from the perspective of a young black man who, you know, is not enslaved, but like is just a bare step away from it. It's very intense. It's very different from any of the other Georgian novels that I've read which is exactly what it's supposed to be doing. So I'm just super into this book, in case you could not tell. Uh, It's really great. I think I'm like 70% of the way through it. But like I said, I've been very, I'm moving through it very slowly. As you might imagine, because it is set in that time period, there are, you know, racial slurs in the text. There is a very intense description of the Middle Passage and slavery. And Sancho faces all kinds of racism and prejudice and difficult situations, as does uh, the woman he falls in love with, who is also a black British woman. So there's a lot of tough stuff in here, but it's so it's so well done, y'all. I'm really really enjoying it and just kind of, again, like impressed with how Patterson Joseph has like done this voice so well and this prose style so well. So again, that's The Secret Diaries of Charles Ignatius Sancho by Patterson Joseph. I'm very excited to read this one. Yeah. I just looked him up. Nice. Patterson Joseph. And I recognize him from like a million things. Yeah. Like all the the British shows that I've watched. All of these multi-talented people, like, yes. just so impressive. <laughs> Susanna Hoff last week. Right. It's like, oh, I'm so jealous. I know. I know. <laughs> I am truly jealous of how impressive <laughs> all of these authors are. Yes. So my next pick actually came out last week, but I was scolded by a couple of people for not talking about it on the show. <laughs> so I'm going to talk about it today. It's called Wizkit. An Adventure Overdue by Tanya J. Scott. This is my favorite illustrated kids book of the year. It's a wacky and fun middle grade graphic novel. And like I mentioned it in the newsletter last week, you know, that it was out and I was excited about it. But a couple of people have read it since then and were like, why didn't you tell us about this? And I was like, well, I can't talk about all the books, but I do love it so much. So I thought I would talk about it today. It's about Wizkit, who is a Cyclops cat. Also a wizard's apprentice and is super lazy and selfish. She uses magic to do her chores, even though her teacher has told her not to. You know, at the beginning of the book, she's laying around eating pastries and looking at things while a broom is like magically sweeping and she's not supposed to do that. It's like part of learning is doing the things for yourself. And while her teacher is in the middle of scolding her because her teacher catches her, you know, lazing around, 
they hear this this boo-hoo-hooing. And it turns out it's a book on a shelf. It's a library book. And it's very sad because it's overdue. And her teacher is like, how long has that been there? I don't even remember taking this book out. You're going to have to return it. And she's like, what? And she's like, yep, this is going to be great for you. It's how you're going to, you know, learn some responsibility. And, you know, you're going to return this library book. And Wizkid is like, ugh. (laughs) The book is excited. So book is like a ridiculously happy, optimistic type Aside from the crying, because it's sad that it was overdue. To the point of being annoying. Like, everything is just like, yay, yay, yay. Everything is great. And Wizkit is like, ugh, it's so far away. And I don't know where the library is. And I don't want to do this. (laughs) But Book is like, it's going to be fun. We're going to go on an adventure. And opens its pages, which are blank. And then they get sucked into the book to start on their adventure. Because metaphor. And they have to try and find the library. Now, on their adventures, they find a dragon that is stuck in a dry riverbed, a frog who is super into capitalism, talking rocks, <laughs> a three-headed bird that can't stop fighting with itself. It's very knights who say knee. And like along the way, selfish little Wizkit is going to learn some lessons. It's bizarre. It has all kinds of delightful creatures and like very silly things happening in the illustrations that are just so fun. Like you need to like scour them because there's all this little stuff going on. Um, there's some very silly mice who have a very, very different parent, I guess I should say, which is really cool. Uh, and the artwork is just wonderful. And so there, I talked about it. It's great. It's called Wizkit, An Adventure Overdue, and it's by Tanya J. Scott. So I am actually putting together a birthday package for one of my nephews, and that is going in it. That sounds perfect. It's really fun. <laughs> it's really, really fun. Amazing. All right, so my next pick comes with a whole story <laughs> about how my brain is regularly in sort of like a half-fail state these days. So I was looking through, when I knew I was going to be subbing on the show, I was looking through the releases for the week of April 11th. And I saw like poet writes memoir and the name Maggie. And in my head, even though the author's name was clearly there, I was like, oh, it's Maggie Nelson, because Maggie Nelson is a poet who also writes memoirs. But it's not. It's Maggie Smith. And it took me until I was three chapters into this book to realize that I had like swapped out the names in my head. So I went into this book thinking I was reading a book by Maggie Nelson, but it's actually a book by Maggie Smith, who now I know about. Maggie Smith was new to me. I think I did see. So she became internet famous for her poem, Good Bones, which was like in a weird coincidence, is very much about how you deal with the world being a crappy place. Like how do you talk to your kids or yourself about that? That poem was published the same week as the um, Orlando Pulse shooting. So it made the rounds because it just sort of perfectly spoke to the moment by, again, weird coincidence. And this memoir is, I just really enjoyed it. I, I, I literally, like, I picked it up and then I didn't put it down again until I was done with it. I found myself just completely sucked in. It is the story of how her marriage ends up falling apart. She's married, she's got two kids, and she discovers that her husband has been having an affair. And it's about, like, how did they get to that place? Um, She talks about 
the struggles that they had as a married couple, you know, from meeting each other in poetry workshop in an MFA program to, you know, dealing with miscarriages and 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 becoming a family. And, you know, her husband decides to go to law school after not being able to find success as a playwright and how their lives have just changed so much since they were two young writers who were just deeply in love. And I really appreciated as a divorcee, like I really appreciated the way that she's very honest about her own feelings about how their relationship went sort of off the rails, but also how this is one side of the story and that there are many sides of the story. And that's a thing that's like so hard to do, especially early on during and like right after uh, a divorce or maybe for years after. Like it takes time to be able to see from more than your own place of like hurt and betrayal and anger. And my divorce was different from hers. Like we did not have the same experience, but like the emotional content felt very familiar. Of course, I am also not a mom. I'm not a single parent, which she ends up becoming. And the pandemic is takes place during the course of this as well. So we get, you know, this is like a really huge time of upheaval at the same time that her career is also taking off. So how do you deal with all of those things happening at the same time. Like, this is what she's writing about. And I really, I just, yeah, I sped through it. It was very immersive. Um, She's an excellent writer. I did like how it does feel a little bit in that, like, Jenny Ophel does this too, where you get these, like, some sections that are more prosy and then some sections that are, like, kind of snippety and almost feel like a poem. And then there are some literal poems in here because Smith is a poet. So it's a really interesting structure prose-wise. Um, I just, uh, yeah, it worked really well for me. And I definitely recommend picking it up if, you know, I feel like Memoirs by Poets is sort of a subgenre in and of itself that I'm a fan of. So if that's, like, if you are all also in that subgenre fan club, like definitely you'll want to pick it up if you've experienced divorce or, you know, a relationship sort of going a way that you never thought it would. It's very cathartic for that. Um, single parenting, like there are so many experiences that Smith has that I think a lot of people will feel uh, seen by reading this. And it's also beautifully written. So again, that's You Could Make This Place Beautiful by Maggie Smith. Now, how many people do you think look at the cover and think that's the woman from Downton Abbey? <laughs> but that's also not Dame Maggie Smith, although I would read that memoir in a heartbeat. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. So many potential people who Maggie Smith is not. Maggie <laughs> Smith is Maggie Smith. Like, that's who that is. <laughs> so uh, those are books that we have read and enjoyed. Now we're going to talk briefly about more of today's releases in hardcover and paperback that we are excited about but haven't necessarily read. I am going to start it off with Life and Other Love Songs by Anissa Gray. Gray is the author of a novel I loved that came out a couple of years ago called The Care and Feeding of Ravenously Hungry Girls. Life and Other Love Songs is set from the mid-20th century to the 1990s about a Black American family whose father has gone missing. Uh, He goes off to have his lunch break at work. That's the last time he's seen. His family is at home that night readying for a surprise party for him for his 37th birthday, but he doesn't come home. And this is the story of what happens to the rest of them 
And what they find out as the days go by and he doesn't return slash isn't found. I haven't read it, so I don't I don't know what happened to him. And I'm very excited to read this. And because I'm going to talk about this book as much as I possibly can between now and when it comes out in September, I also want to point out that uh, Happiness Falls by Angie Kim, which is amazing, is also about a father's disappearance in a family. And you should definitely put that one down on your TBR as well as Life and Other Love Songs by Anissa Gray. So I'm cheating again, like four times I'm cheating today. (laughs) That's fine. I have read this next one, and I'm excited to tell you about it. It is Untethered Sky by Fonda Lee. Fonda Lee wrote The Greenbone Saga, which is like, you know, people are describing it as sort of like the godfather meets like Asian like myth and mythology and magic, which is correct. It's pretty much correct. It's like mafia, but on an island that feels a little bit like Taiwan to me. I could be very wrong about that, but that's what it feels like to me. And it's like full of like, you know, warring gangs and paranormal powers and all kinds of stuff. So when I saw that she had a fantasy novella coming out, I was like, what? Like that's like a, like an old timey, like epic high fantasy fantasy. I was like, that's new. So I was really excited to pick this up. And I do want to say that this is really good but it's also very dark so you know and there's lots of like because it has an animal human bond as the main sort of central plot element there is a lot of animal abuse and death and violence there's also a gore and the death of a child so like just know going in that it's not puppies and kittens and rainbows It's really good, though. It's about a woman named Esther whose family was, uh, you know, ravaged by a manticore who killed her mother and her younger brother. Um, And she and her father grow apart in that grief. And Esther is inspired by this, along with her youthful love of hawks, to become a rock writer, ROC, like the giant, you know, birds of mythology. They exist in this fantasy world and they you have to be it's not actually a writer. Did I say writer? She doesn't ride the the rock. She's like the the handler for the rock. And these rocks are the only like controllable animals who can take down a manticore. And so the king has set up this like, you know, training program. And so she goes and she's like very nervous. Like, can she learn to become a rock handler? And like she does. And it's about that process, which is like pretty intense and not not a good process, actually. <laughs> I was like, Ooh, is this like based on actual hawk training? Because if it is, like, that's kind of messed up. Like, I actually don't know. I didn't look it up. But like, I was like, this is this is some messed up stuff, how they train like a wild bird to be tame. And it's bad for her, too. And the novel, the novella is very clear about that. Like, this is, yeah, this is a messed up system. It's not good for anybody. But it feels necessary to these people because of this monster situation. And you l- see them move through this life together and 
the ending is so intense, y'all. I was like, whoo! Like I was, I don't think I was breathing for the last couple of pages. But I really appreciated where Lee ended it, and I really loved it overall. I'm gonna be thinking about this novella for a while. I just think that it takes this, you know, because when we see these kinds of bonds in fantasy, like you know, dragon and dragon rider or whatever it is, you're like, oh, I would totally love to do that. Like that would be amazing. I want to do that thing. Um, but it doesn't really a lot of them have a glamorized view of what that training and what that bond would look like and this does not there's no glamour here like it is blood and guts and like mm, not some good stuff um and i kind of love that like i love a sort of darker look at something that we might gloss over in other circumstances and her characters are so compelling i just yeah i i i really did love this as I am telling you also, it's pretty dark. Uh, so again, that's The Untethered Sky by Fonda Lee. I don't want to ride a dragon. Uh, I, I, I look at those, still. I'm like, no, thank you. Afraid of I heights. Just, <laughs> I mean, I am too, but for a dragon, I would ride a dragon. <laughs> nah, I think I'm too much of a baby. I think no. I would be too afraid. That's fair. I'm like, I'm not very, I wouldn't last very long in any fantasy sci-fi situation. Oh, I mean, same, same. <laughs> I'd be like, no, I don't want to go to the new planet. No, I don't want to get on the dragon. No, I don't want to get in the submarine. It's fair. Like, no. And then everyone would leave and that would be sad. Right. That would be the end of the story. <laughs> Just kidding. I would go in everyone's house and read all their books. <laughs> so that's that's my grand plan to get to read everything. It's very little, Twilight Zone. Was, yeah, I was just going to say my little Burgess Meredith yeah. you know, personality coming out. Um, so I'm going to tell you about my other pick. But before I do that, we are going to hear from another sponsor. All right. So another book I am excited about today that I have not yet had the pleasure of reading is Some Desperate Glory by Emily Tesh. You might recognize the name Emily Tesh. Tesh is the author of the Silver in the Wood novella series. This is a debut novel. It's a queer space opera about Kier, who has worked to be a soldier her whole life with the purpose of avenging Earth. Earth has been destroyed. I couldn't quite tell from, I'm assuming it's like an alien race because it said in the description it was destroyed by the Mahoda. So she and the people who have survived are somewhere else now, not on Earth, and she wants to get revenge. But then her brother is sent into battle and the government assigns her to baby duty where she is expected to just have children to try and repopulate the population. Uh, and she doesn't like that because it sounds horrible. And so she escapes with another human and an alien captive and is hoping to get the revenge that humanity deserves. So I'm very excited to read this. Also, the title, it is fun to sing to the chorus of Death or Glory by The Clash. Just a little, <laughs> a little thing that I would, you know, you might not think about, but I did because it's been stuck in my head for days now. Um, so that is Some Desperate Glory by Emily Tesh. Nice. Uh, so once again, I'm cheating. I have read this book and it came out a year ago. <laughs> but listen, y'all, I was late to this book in a way that I'm like, I need to tell everybody else that if you haven't picked it up yet, you might want to. So I'm going to talk to you about Legends and Lattes by Travis Baldry, which 
came onto my radar because everybody at Book Riot was like talking, talking, talking about this book. Like I just couldn't escape it for a minute. And so I put it in my library hold and like four months later, I finally got my copy to read. And it is, I can see why everybody is so obsessed with it. The tagline for this novel is a novel of high fantasy and low stakes. And like when I tell you that I was like sold, sold, like low stakes sounds great. Um, It is a cozy fantasy. Travis Baldry has like done the thing. We've got, you know, queer characters, found family. It's a coffee shop. Like it's literally a coffee shop version of like a D&D story. Like I can't even, it's so enjoyable. It follows Viv, who is an orc uh, who has been like making a living with her sword. Like she's big and beefy and she's good at killing things, but she wants a different life. And so she's finally, she's cashing out. They are doing, you know, one last mission, always one last mission. And she's got this thing that she hopes will draw luck and fortune to her to help her start a new life and the new life that she wants to do is she wants to open a coffee shop like I can't I can't even it's so perfect and so she draws this sort of ragtag group of people together and then they have to face down some very light very light peril extremely light peril everything ends well there's a lovely sapphic romance like there are so many descriptions of coffee in here and like liberty sorry in advance but like it just I was like oh no I have to drink so much coffee because it just I just have to drink along with these characters because the love of coffee shines through this book in a way that I just found so uh, appealing and uh, also suggestible I'm very suggestible it turns out so I was mostly decaf though because I know my limits But yeah, I really loved it. And it was fun to see like, yeah, how would you make espresso in a medieval fantasy world? Like, how would you do that? The answer is gnomes, turns out. So, you know, minor spoiler. Um, But I just I just love this book. And I thought, you know, sometimes we all just need a book that feels like a hug. And this book does that thing. So again, that's Legends and Lattes by Travis Baldry. Yeah, it sounds fun that the gnomes make the coffee, but they don't tell you that they use their beards as the filters. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> yes. The the sequel is out. Not yet. It's out. No, I'm trying to think of the date. Sorry, I paused there. Yeah, no, it's not out. It's out in November, I think. Yeah, I'm I'm it's well, so is there there's a sequel and there's a prequel coming. Oh, maybe it's the prequel? I don't know. It mm. has uh, the important thing is that it has the the pug dog beaked thing on the cover whose name I'm forgetting. Oh, yes. Yes. So that is the best part. Mm -hmm. So those are books that we have read and enjoyed. Now it is time for the paperback release lightning round. (laughs) Another huge uh, offering of amazing paperbacks out today. Starting with Constructing a Nervous System, a memoir by Margot Jefferson. Jefferson is a Pulitzer Prize winning author Uh, This was named one of the best books of last year by, like, a million places, and it examines the people who influenced her in her life. Real Easy by Marie Rutkowski. This is a thriller about a dancer at a strip club who gets drawn into a murder investigation. The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by V.E. Schwab. I love this book. I think I might have mentioned it a few weeks ago because it was out, like, on the shelves, but its official date is today. Uh, It is about a young woman who makes a deal with the devil to escape her situation. But of course, you don't make a deal with the devil because it never turns out the way you think it's going to. Uh, And so she 
is given the ability to live forever. However, no one remembers her. A Tiny Upward Shove by Melissa Chadburn. This is a novel about a woman's existence after she dies, based on the stories of the author's Filipino heritage. Hello, Molly, a memoir by Molly Shannon. Shannon is an actress, an SNL alum. She's been in a million things. She's very funny. And this is her story, starting with the tragedy that struck her family when she was very young. Uh, She lost several family members in a car accident. The Daughter of Dr. Moreau by Sylvia Moreno-Garcia. This is a retelling of The Island of Dr. Moreau by H.G. Wells, set in 19th century Mexico. Night Crawling by Layla Motley. This is a novel about a young woman who takes up sex work to support her brother and help a young boy next door. I believe Motley was 19 years old when she wrote this, uh, which is just amazing. So jealous, again, right there. Mm -hmm. The Dark Queens, The Bloody Rivalry That Forged the Medieval World by Shelley Puhak. This is about two queens in 6th century France. I've had this one right near my desk for so long, and I still haven't picked it up, but I I really need to. Because it sounds really interesting. Yeah. Hope and Glory by Jandela Benson, about a young woman who returns home to London after living in America when her father dies, and she finds that her family has fallen apart, and she decides to stay and see if she can fix things. Blood Sugar by Sasha Rothschild, about a therapist who is actually hiding a murderous side, who is accused of her husband's murder, which ironically is a murder she did not commit. Such Big Dreams by Rima Patel, about an assistant to a lawyer who is striving to make a name for herself. And in Paperback Originals today, Venus Underground by Jeff Vandermeer is being reissued. This is Vandermeer's first novel. It includes an intro from the amazing Charles Yu. It is a story of three people who are seeking to escape their lives in an underground city. Multiverses, an anthology of alternate realities edited by Preston Grassman. This has stories from people such as Ken Liu, Chana Porter, Alistair Reynolds, Charlie Jane Anders, Clive Barker, Alex Harrow, Annalie Newitz. I have read a few of these stories, and I've been enjoying them. Uh, The first one is really interesting. It's about doctors who are asked to perform surgery in another dimension. Like, you can contact other dimensions and perform surgery, like, using basically, like, Margaret Atwood's autograph signing idea where you can be in one place and do something with a robot in another place. Right. And they find out that the person that they're going to be operating on is a very bad person in their universe. And so what do you do? It's really cool. The Nanny by Lana Ferguson. This is a romance about a woman who discovers that the man she is working for as a nanny might also be her biggest fan on her OnlyFans account. Yours Truly by Abby Jimenez, about a doctor whose hate for a colleague might be turning into something else after he sends a letter. I know everyone is really excited about the release of this one, so probably read this sooner rather than later. Story of my life. So those are our paperback releases today. Uh, Before I ask you what you're going to read next, Jen, how excited are you for the Zen Show romance novel? Coming from tour. Oh my god. My excitement cannot be contained. <laughs> Woo, I love it when Zen Show has a new book coming out. I don't know if it's going to be the title that launches Bramble, which is going to be Tor's romance imprint, but it's very exciting no matter what it is. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So what are you going to read next? 
So I just got, speaking of library holds, I just got The Oleander Sword, which is book two of the Burning Kingdom series by Tasha Suri, which is the series that, oh, when the Jasmine Throne came out, what was that, like two years ago? I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> it's, you know, epic fantasy. It's got two very morally gray female main characters with whom I am obsessed I am just like, Priya and Malini, what are you going to do next? Oh, my God. Um, it is really exciting to finally be picking up the sequel to The Jasmine Throne. So, yeah, Oleander Sword. Awesome. So I'm just going to brag now. I'm just going <laughs> to straight up brag because I kind of have a dilemma. I'm reading one of the best books I have ever read right now. I'm in the middle of it, and I'm going to tell you what it is in a second. But yesterday I got Let Us Descend by Jasmine Ward. Her first novel in five years, which comes oh. out, and it's like way historical fiction. It's set in the mid 1800s. And then I also got The Fragile Threads of Power by V.E. Schwab, which is the fourth book in the Shades of Magic series. Well, kind of, it's set in that world. And that comes out in September. And I'm also very excited about that one. I'm like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Also, I'm totally going to brag because this is awesome and I'm so excited. (laughs) But right now, I'm in the middle of We Were Once a Family, A Story of Love, Death, and Child Removal in America by Roxana Asgarian. And honestly, it's the story uh, of the the couple that drove off the cliff with their six adopted children. And exactly. I didn't pick it up because I was like, right? But my friend convinced me to read it, and it's one of the best books I have ever read. It is so rage-making and sad, but it's, I just feel like it's really important that people read this and learn about it. Because this is not just about what happened, but this is about how, you know, the United States failed these children many times before they were even adopted by this couple. Mm. It's incredible. I mean, yeah, it, it is hard. It is really hard to read, but I cannot recommend it enough. So, all right. On that happy note, <laughs> that is all for today. You can check out the deep dive by going to bookriot.substack.com. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our awesome audio editor, Jen Zink. You can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com. Tell me about your area code. You can find us <laughs> online. Jen, where do you hang out? So I am mostly on Tumblr, Jen IRL, and I just recently got back on Instagram. That's I am Jen IRL, J-E-N-N-I-R-L. All right, and you can find me at Friends and Comes Alive on Instagram. And if you want to give us a treat, you can go to Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you get your podcasts from Cyclops Wizard Cats. I don't know. Um, and you can leave a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us, and we appreciate it so much. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more books now, in the sh- out now in the show notes, I should say, uh, at bookriot.com slash all the books as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And for more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. And in the meantime, happy, happy reading! reading. <laughs> <laughs>